Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and check out all the stuff that you can get so that you'll have those daily reminders that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is going to share how her own struggles with anxiety led her to become a romance novel author. And now she includes an aspect of mental health and mental wellness in all of her books. Please help me welcome Liv Arnold. Good morning, Liv. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am well, and I know that it is not morning for you, so this is an extra special around the world episode treat. We are bringing you from Australia, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, I'm I'm from Melbourne. I've lived here my whole life. It's past 11 p.m. here, but I'm more of a night person. I'm I'm a bit of a bookworm and often read a lot till like each chapter. If it ends on cliffhanger, I have to keep reading. You know what? I do the exact same thing. And I also, uh, we're going to talk about you in a second here and you are an author. Mm -hmm. Tell me if this drives you crazy. But when I read a book, I read like the first two chapters and then I go and I read the last two pages uh, because if I die, I want to know how it ends. So I do Ah. go back and read the rest of the book but I, I skip forward. I read the end because if something tragic happens to me in the interim, I just want to know how the book ends. Is that, is that weird? Does that bother you as an author? I, I think it does. Like it almost bothers me as much as the dog is. People do um, as bookmarks for books, but it's not as bad as that. That is pretty bad. I agree with that. Yeah. I'll, to the audience, use bookmarks. Don't dog ear the pages. Or even just use a receipt, a card, anything, like a random piece of paper you find. Anything, a pen. I mean, just put something in there. Don't harm the book while reading. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) now now that we've talked about you being an author, I know that you have a new book coming out in just a couple days. I would love if you would tell the audience a little bit about you and a little bit about this amazing book that we're going to hear about today. Uh, well, as I said before, I'm from Melbourne. Um, I, during for my previous day jobs, I've worked as a copywriter. Um, so that's what got me into writing, sort of. Um, when I was younger, I was always inspired by Enid Blyton I would go to the library and request every single one of her books um, because it just took me to another world Uh, at the moment I live with my husband and my dog his name is Groot he um, he only eats freshly cooked meals He, he doesn't eat dog food so he's a bit spoiled and he prefers his steak medium rare so that's about my dog (laughs) um he has like his own personality um my upcoming novel stepping stone is a second chance romance it has themes about mental health um ptsd and also embracing your sexuality as a woman and as a man as well so i also enjoy my steak medium rare so i'm with Groot on that (laughs) I, I appreciate me too. Yeah, a good, he has good taste. <laughs> I, I concur. And he is adorable. I have seen pictures of him. 
He's yeah. a cutie. So I know that we could spend an hour talking about him, but we're not going to do that. I want to talk yeah. to you about Stepping Stone. And I know that book is actually the second in a series. What I find really cool and interesting about it, I think it's like romance with a twist because you have made a point to put in uh, points about mental health and mental wellness and really have a spotlight on that with some of your book's characters. What led you to do that in your romance novels? Well, it, for even though it's the second book in the series, each book is a standalone book. It's based on different characters. And ever since I can remember, I've always had anxiety. Um, I, I probably wasn't diagnosed until maybe five, six years ago. But it, when I was a child, I used to worry about the smallest things to the point where I would stay up all night worrying until the sun came up and the alarm went off to go to school. And I I just thought that was a normal thing. And um, as an adult, I still do that, but at least I recognize the signs when my thoughts are starting to go spiraling out of control. So I, I wanted to write about real issues that people might have, um, especially since um, I would say based in Australia and a lot of my readers are based in America, um, we're in first world countries. So it, it is a different aspect for that as well. Um, so I wanted to write something that people could relate to. Um, so th that not all romances are just that fluffy, happily ever after, it, even though I'm not saying that romance is, but yeah, I just wanted people to see characters that they can relate to and think maybe they're not so different. That is what I love about it when you just said characters that they can relate to, because I feel like a lot of romance novels, and I know it's fiction, um, but they do present this, this picture of the world that just isn't real. And then what happens is people think that's real or think that's attainable and they become disappointed in their own relationships when they have struggles <laughs> and challenges. So I love yeah. that you make characters that are like me and like you and that have struggles just like we do. I would love for you yeah. to talk a little bit about your anxiety struggles and you know how you have used your writing to help yourself deal with those issues. Well, I take um, medication for anxiety and with writing, I find that it takes me into another world because I'm concentrating on fictional characters and um, putting a setting that's not actually real. So it does take my mind off things and I'm put more into the present because I'm concentrating on what I'm doing right now. So that's really helped me. And um, that combined with breathing exercises, uh, I'm currently doing the Wim Hof challenge. I'm not too sure if your listeners have heard of it, but it includes ice baths and cold showers. So that sort of shocks you into the present as well. So like writing, it sort of brings me back to the present. Um, and when you said that, um, yeah, it's just writing like characters that people can relate to so that it's not unrealistic or anything like that. Um, with my first book in the series, um, pretty much I wrote the perfect man. He, he was handsome. He, he was good looking, but the female character still has family challenges. And I remember when I was telling my husband about that male, main male character, my husband was saying, so he's pretty much the perfect guy. He's handsome, he's caring, he's good looking, he's rich. 
And then he asked, is this character based on me at all? And then I said, no, nah, not at all. Like, so <laughs> I think like that's, that's another aspect. Like it is good to be taken away from everyday life and be, and read a male, like strong male character. <laughs> that's nothing like who you're with. How long did it take your husband to get over that this perfect man was not based on him? Um, well, it didn't help that one of his friends t told him that my ideal man wasn't him and it's a made-up <laughs> character. <laughs> you know, always trust your your guys friends to really stick them with the truth. That, yeah. that is something we can always count on for sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, he like my husband's very supportive. He did help try to help me come up with ideas for my book and um originally when I wrote my first book I he, he actually said an idea as a joke where a woman accidentally walks in the men's change room and he's getting like change but of course he's really good looking and naked so it doesn't bother her and then it yeah and then it happens from there and I thought this idea could work I'm not complaining. So I, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see this. Um, I know <laughs> that, that you, you also base some of your characters on, on people that you know, in real life, or at least some of their circumstances. So will you talk yeah. a little bit about uh, how you do that? And do you let people know that you're going to kind of use them a little bit as a framework um, or is it a surprise? Um one person that told me this story about what happened to her she still doesn't know I wrote this into my book and I just think well it's their fault for not reading my book so, um and because she told me this really bizarre circumstance which was the basis of the breakup for my current novel coming out Stepping Stone for why um the couple separated in the first place and when I was listening to this story, I was thinking, this is something out of fiction. You don't really hear anything about it. So I guess life is sometimes stranger than fiction. And her her story was um, when she, she was engaged and she was on this pre-Bucks um, and Joint Hens night in Thailand. And um, her fiancé at the time went to a brothel with um, with some of the male friends because he felt pressured into doing it. And then he ended up taking this naked bath with the prostitute before he felt bad and left. And then when she came back to Melbourne, she was crying about it and said, but he claims he didn't do anything, but she was still really upset. And I was thinking, this is a really bizarre story. Yes. Did they get married? Yeah. They did. <laughs> Okay. But she was thinking, should I get married or should I not? And um, so I wrote that into the book, but I changed some aspects of it. Like since he was studying, um, suffering from PTSD, he didn't realize where he was and, um, and the outside looked like a bar. So I used that aspect of it, but I've actually had some readers say something like this wouldn't have happened in real life, but it, it did. So, yeah. And I agree with you. Sometimes real life is crazier than fiction, which is, yeah. is crazy in itself to me. So 
I love that you gave your male character some challenges as well that he's dealing with because I think that mental wellness is a stigma in general, you know, people struggling with mental health, but really for men. So do you feel like you are doing a small part or even a big part to kind of help break down that stigma by giving your characters things that they're dealing with that then they can work to deal with or overcome in the books? Yeah, because since I've always had anxiety and sometimes when I'm going through that and my thoughts are spiraling and I'm going through out loud every single worst case scenario that could happen. And if someone just says to me, oh, it's all good um, or just calm down a little bit. And then I'm sort of thinking, well, why didn't I think of that? I'll just calm down right now. But um, so then, yeah. So if they're reading it in the book, they might be able to see someone's thought process when they are going through those anxiety um, episodes or they think that th- they're starting to lose control about things as well. So one of the other big things that I see in your book is about empowering women and giving women yeah. the ability to make decisions, consent, you yeah. know, a lot of times things that in romance novels, you know, the woman is taken and swept away And it sounds great, but when you think about it on a deeper level, um, it's lacking Mm -hmm. in some important relationship pieces. So what made you ensure that you were going to put that aspect into your books as well? Well, Well, with me, like, and a lot of romance books, consent is a big thing. It has to be a big 100% enthusiastic yes or else it's a no so so that when people read it they'll see what consent looks like even if they verbally go along with it maybe but then they're not that enthusiastic people might be able to see the warning signs of things might that might not be right and I think a lot of um, women especially they're not as encouraged to talk out about their sexual desires and um and they're made to feel ashamed of it when in romance books, they're all having great sex. They're all having good orgasms. The men takes care of them first, I guess. And when I'm writing the novels, sometimes I don't even care if the men orgasm or not. It's about the women. So it, it's about what they want and them taking charge about how they want their sexuality and their sex life to, to be like and to, for them to suggest ideas Um, even if they're a bit awkward about it, but to be open to that conversation. How empowering is that for you personally to do that in your writing? It is empowering, but I think when I talk to people about my sex scenes, I'm blushing as well. So like, so I think it's also something I need to work a bit more on because I, I, I also feel awkward talking about it too, but I, I like that aspect of it exploring different aspects of what fetishes people might be interested in I think it's just human nature that everyone's maybe got one or got some sort of fantasy so it's exploring those aspects and I'm looking at it from a female gaze as well which I absolutely love I know that you also you do some writing for Cosmo and that writing is also focused around sexual wellness so 
which yeah. came first did you start your romance novels first or did you start in uh articles and sexual wellness first I started romance books first and that's how I started to give sex tips for Cosmopolitan about different sex positions and I at first I thought it was so funny just giving expert advice on sex tips but I guess if you have to be an expert in something you may as well be an expert in that I don't think that's a bad expertise to have <laughs> so I mean is that on your business card now you know sex position expert um, maybe I should put on my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think you should do that. So <clears throat> has it become easier? I know you just said you still blush sometimes and, and it's hard yeah. for you on occasion to talk about the sex scenes, but do you yeah. think that overall, you know, it's getting easier for you and easier for women in general to talk about what they want and what they desire? I think it is getting easier and easier because um, there is even that stigma now for writing romance or reading romance that um, that it's not that it's like less of a genre or if you read it then you're just like I, I don't know like a desperate housewife or you, um, you might be having something lacking in your marriage but I, I think it is empowering towards women to have that change in mentality about it's okay if you enjoy reading sex scenes and this book and I think even with movies and other types of media avenues it's getting more and more common for the women to take charge and know what they want um, when I was watching this movie called Malibu Crush it was the man that was really shy and didn't really know what to do but it was the woman that took charge on what she wanted to do on the date going to on the beach going um roller skating and also having some ice cream so she was the one in control and I see that more and more in movies and media outlets and other books which I think is fantastic because we are you know turning a little bit into more powerful beings instead yeah. of just taking whatever the man has for us do you see yeah geographical differences so I know you said that you have a big readership in Australia and in the U.S. Mm -hmm. do you see differences with our cultures and how men and women act with one another between those two areas between U.S. and Australia mm -hmm. do you mean yes um, um I, I think there is some difference like um in America I think it may be America people are a bit more open um, to all these ideas. Um, with Australia, I think they still enjoy the books and, um, and I do get readers sometimes I see reviews or they contact me on social media for Middle Eastern countries or Asian countries and they've commented that they were a bit nervous to read the book and they were looking around to see if anyone knew what they were reading. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm glad they, they did enjoy the book and and it did get them to escape into another world and see another aspect of how you should, like not, not necessarily you should behave with sex, sexuality, but what is possible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think you are, you're giving the opportunity for people all over the world to be more comfortable with themselves. What does yeah. that feel like to you as a writer to know that you could be impacting people's lives in yeah. such a big way? Well, 
that means the most to me. So I, I do read a lot of my reviews, even though I know I'm not supposed to. I even read the bad ones. And um, the ones that means the most to me is the ones that might maybe have written down saying they're going through a tough time at the moment and this book has allowed them to have that escape. And um, and I've had a few advanced readers read Stepping Stone and they said it really meant a lot to them that I address mental health, anxiety and depression um, because people don't often talk about it as much. And they said it really meant a lot to them um, having these characters that, that are flawed and are going through real issues and, and just reading them navigate through these issues. Absolutely. What I would love to know, because it's a romance novel still, so, you know, generally you think about a happily ever after, do your characters... Or a happy ending. A, a happy ending. Yes, you went there. I love it. With the pun, um, yeah. <laughs> your characters in their other life struggles, do those also have a happy ending or do they just find ways to deal with their circumstances? Um, so they more find ways to deal with it. So just by thinking about what they could do. So in Stepping Stone, it sort of ends with hope, but it's not completely fixed or anything like it is in real life, but it does end with hope with options of what they could possibly do to help co like with coping mechanisms. Do you feel like you're becoming a bit of a relationship therapist or counselor in writing these? Um, maybe, but sometimes I do think I give the worst advice, like, um, so like we've, um, like, so, like I remember a friend was saying that a guy kept sending her like really inappropriate messages. And I said, well, just reply back with a picture of Harvey Weinstein because sometimes a photo says more than words. So, <laughs> but then I, I said a more serious answer afterwards, but I don't know. It could have been funny. <laughs> I mean, I love your answer. I think that yeah. that could have been very profound for him to see. Yeah. And while we're on that topic, for any males that are listening or watching this episode, dick pics are a no. Nobody wants them yeah. ever. No woman is sitting there waiting for you to send a dick pic. They're just not. And no one's impressed either. <laughs> right. Well, right. If they're sending those explicit photos, um, I think they actually do deserve a Harvey Weinstein photo back. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. I think this was excellent advice. And so again, ladies, grab that photo, keep it in your phone. That's what you can send back yeah. now when you get the unsolicited dick pic. Yeah. And again, men, nobody wants them. Nobody. I know you're proud. Yeah, I, I, I know I'm an author, but I think in that instant, a photo says more than words. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> 200% with you right there. So tell me what is next for you when it comes to your romance novels? Um, well, so with my book being released, I'm donating a portion of the profits um, to this mental health charity to raise awareness. And then um, at the moment, I'm working on the third book in the series. So each book is based on a different 
um, female member in the team. Um, so they all work in Stonecourt, which is an investment company, and they all work in IT and data analytics. So it's a team of three women. And so I also wanted to do um, roles where it's usually dominated by men and usually women might not be seen in those roles as well so yeah just like for that other aspect because you, you do see all the time women being in these male dominated roles and how they fit into it as well I love that and I was actually thinking that when you said IT that that is yeah. a traditional male dominated role so I love that you're putting women into those roles just to give another empowering aspect what made you decide to do that as well? Uh, well, I think um, we, if being a woman, it doesn't mean that you have to go to certain career types or fit into a certain mold. Um, same with men as well. Um, so for example, um, in some sectors like aged care sector or teaching, it's female dominated and maybe men are a bit hesitant to apply or they think, it's a bit too feminine and same with um, male dominated roles like engineering, anything to do with data or IT um, where it, there is that shortage of women and um, maybe because people might not fit into that mold like um, like I never really liked shopping that much because since I'm, I'm a big introvert I don't like the noise and parking and the crowds and um, yeah, and so I think everyone has that aspect to them where it's not stereotypical to their gender. I do love shopping, but I will say that I really enjoy online shopping that I can do from the comfort <laughs> of my home. Where 100%. you don't have to get dressed. <laughs> yes, like I know what my sizes are. Yeah. I just want to order it. I want it to show up at my house. So I can definitely relate to you there. What do you think will be the next wall that you might break down in a book? So we're tackling, you know, career paths that, you know, have gender differences. You're tackling mental health. You're tackling consent. What else do you think you might want to address in, a, in an upcoming book? Um, so in an upcoming book, um, so with the third book in the series, um, I'm writing about how the, the third woman so the third colleague she starts dating a single dad and um and it's a bit of a reverse power play there because in the first book it was a male um manager plus a female employee but in the third book she's the manager and she recruited this new employee that's a male and it comes in the full circle and so it's about the women like in management and also the aspect of dating a single dad and also what it might be like to be a single dad because from what I heard people might judge you a little bit more like I've heard stories like if you show up to a parent teacher interview they might ask the dad when's the mum coming or um or they they keep telling you you're doing a really good job considering there's no mum around so I, I hear little stories about that so it's just exploring those um little dilemmas or issues that single dads might be going through I love that because even as you were saying that, it made me sad to think of a teacher saying, well, when is mom going to get here? Or you're doing great for a single dad. 
that's something that I never really thought about. So what made you think about that aspect and want to address it and bring it full circle from book one? Uh, well, I think um, the, the um, trope of male boss, female employee is done a lot. And it is a good trope, like people do want to be swept away. And so I wanted that to be in full circle where the woman is in control, she's in the management team. Um, I have a friend that's a single dad and he has said things about what, like, of what he thinks people think when looking at him with his kids and and about um, coming to school as well when doing picks up and drop offs. So I think um, something like men's mental health, um, men are more likely to commit suicide or not seek help than women. Um, and also people don't really think about what it might be like for a single dad. So I just wanted to think of that aspect as well. I love it. I want to ask you, how difficult is it to, to keep the line clear between being swept off your feet and enthusiastic consent? Um, yeah, like I, th I it definitely has to be 100% enthusiastic. Yes. Um, being swept off your feet, it still has to have that consent there um, in both your actions and your words as well. Uh, so it, it has to go hand in hand, I think. So even if you're being swept off your feet uh, and there's maybe that magic to it, there's still that consent from the whole process. Like, And I think still, I, I still like to show that no means no, regardless of the circumstances or the events leading up to having sex or about to having sex. I think that's great that you do that. Is that a point in every book where at least once there is a no scenario to make it clear? Um, necessarily, like, so there, there, is, there would be a no scenario in some of my books, um, just like if they're not too sure, they're ready to take the next step. But then when they do have sex, both of them are very enthusiastic about it and they, they can't wait to bang it out, I guess. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Literally and figuratively, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess some people resolve arguments in that way. So just bang it out. <laughs> just bang it out. That's, that's yeah. the motto for today. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask a little bit about your writing process. So when you start, do you kind of have a clear idea of where you're going and what's going to happen or are you kind of surprised along the way as you write I always know how the ending will be so I know what to work towards but the whole journey I'm surprised by where the characters go sometimes and I put a lot of comedic type moments um, in the story and some of it is based on real life so some of these I already have in my head that I'll, I'll write this down and um, yeah, but I do enjoy the whole process. And um, so when I write, I usually do set a timer of 20 minutes at a time. And I know this is really bad for you, but I reward myself with ice cream after every 20 minutes. <laughs> so I need to think of a healthier habit for a reward. I'm loving this. So every 20 yeah. minutes, you get ice cream. Yeah. So when the timer goes off, I just think, okay, ice cream time. This is fantastic. Like this is the yeah. best work 
thing that I've ever heard of. So I have to know yeah. what's your favorite ice cream flavor. I eat pretty much everything. Like I think there's like something about ice cream that makes people happier in general. And you hear that all the time. So if it's gelato, I have raspberry. If mm. it's an ice cream, like a cream based flavor, maybe hokey pokey uh, or something chocolate based. Okay. What is hokey pokey? Cause that's not, that's not a, that's a, that's a dance here. Oh, okay. It's like, um, it's got like some caramel, like little chip aspects or like honey chips oh. to it. Like it's hard to describe. I'm going to have to try to find this though, because it, yeah. it sounds amazing. And yeah. I just, I want to point out for the people who are listening and not watching that Liv is tiny and cute. So she can eat all the ice cream <laughs> that she wants every 20 minutes. How long does it take you uh, typically to write a book? Uh, about a year. I write insanely slow. Um, and sometimes I mix it up a bit. If it's not ice cream, it's chocolate or chips but usually ice cream is my go-to <laughs> I'm a big fan I mean again yeah. I want to encourage all employers if you want to increase productivity to maybe implement some 20-minute ice cream breaks in the workday I think this could be huge yeah. for the world as a whole you could well, have started something people, yeah but people still get happy when they hear the ice cream trucks so <laughs> I think it's doable I agree. I'm a big fan of this. So I think we have, we have done a lot today because now we've solved work productivity issues, yeah. <laughs> we've solved dick pics and responses to those and inappropriate text messages for yeah. women. I mean, Liv, what else can we solve today for the world? Do you think? Well, I, I guess for explicit photos, another thing you could do is pretend that you showed it to everyone. So, and then, because I remember I did that once when I was about 18, I didn't expect to get this photo. And then I said something like, which I actually put in the book saying, um, your left testicle looks weird, but don't worry. I showed it to some, some of our um, work colleagues and they said, maybe you should see a doctor. And he was actually in a panic after that. So maybe that's something else people could do. That is a good one. Did you... Yeah. Did you let him off the hook and tell him you didn't do that? Or did you let him stay in that little panic? Um, it was a bit of a panic for 10 minutes. And then I said, no, I didn't really do that because he, he was, he kept sending me one message after the, another. So I wanted it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. I mean, your, your ideas are so creative. I absolutely love it. So I want to take a quick turn here. Yeah. We're going to talk about tattoos for a quick minute. And I just want to point out, we're recording this in June. I am still in a hoodie, okay? It is chilly here, so you can't see my tattoos. But I have a bunch of tattoos. I love tattoos. The audience loves tattoos. But Liv, I know that you don't have any, and there is a reason why. And I would love for you to share that with everybody. I'm bad with needles. When I was 18, 19, I got my belly pierced and I passed out. So it was actually the first time I blacked out in a shopping center. So yeah, so I didn't know what was happening. Like my whole vision went blank. And also last year I donated blood. I thought 
I'll, I'll be a good Samaritan today. And then I, I was fine throughout the whole process and even 10 minutes after, but then nausea hit me all of a sudden and I ran to the bin, threw up, and then I blacked out. <laughs> so no tattoos for me. <laughs> No, no tattoos for you, unfortunately, but (laughs) I'm still going to ask you, let's say no needles involved. So, so like a temporary tattoo, uh, there's a great company called momentary ink that you can design your own tattoos, uh, slap it right on. It lasts for a couple of weeks. Let's say we're doing that. What would you get and where would you put it? Um, I'll probably put something on my wrist maybe um, something meaningful to do with family. Uh, One of my friends has a really cute tattoo that just says, I love you on her wrist. So that when her husband says, I love you, she just raises her wrist. So yeah, something sweet like that, I'll probably do. What I love about that too, is it seems like a personal message or mantra, you know, that you can look at and say, I love you speaking to yourself, which we don't do enough of quite often. Yeah. Yeah. People don't. And um, yeah, people don't think about the positives in themselves as much either. I think people are very quick to think about the negatives and yeah, it's good to take some time out for self-love and do something for yourself. Absolutely. So now we have a tattoo for you. And once, uh, once technology creates a needle-free tattoo experience, <laughs> we've got you covered. Liv, I would love for you to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find Stepping Stone, which is coming out on the 11th of this month. So in just a couple of days. Well, you, I love hearing from readers. I always try to reply back. So I, my website is livearnold.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, live underscore au. So it's the same handle for both. Also on Facebook, um, Liv Arnold Author, which is my handle. I'm also on BookBub and Goodreads. And you can buy my book from online major retailers like Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Apple, iTunes. So just all of them. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Liv, you have been truly amazing. I really appreciate your time today. I'm excited to read Stepping Stone. I'm sure everybody else is as well. And I can't wait to see what you have coming next. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Liv as much as I did. I really appreciate how she is addressing things like gender roles and stereotypes, mental wellness, and consent and women's empowerment in her books. Don't forget, Stepping Stone will be available July 11th. So remember, until next week, you are strong enough and you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.